Well, thanks very much. Thank you. Well, it's a pleasure and a privilege to be bringing the word before you this morning. And I just pray that God will really bless you in a wonderful, wonderful way through his precious word. He wants to do that. He's able to do that. We need faith to receive the word of God. So we're looking at uh, the second Corinthians Second Epistle, chapter 4. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might might be manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death works in us, but life in you. We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 
while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. If we could just bow in prayer and just pray for this. Almighty God, we come to you praising you for your wondrous grace and love towards us. And Lord, we are a very, very needy people. Oh God, how we need a fresh touch from you. We thank you, God, for the church, that marvellous spiritual institution which you have created for your own glory. And we praise you today that we can gather together like this. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Looking at this uh, chapter... It's very interesting because obviously it's concentrating on Paul, the great apostle. Probably no one else like him in the whole of the Bible, I don't think. Dynamic character. Incredible. And, uh, you know, if you look at it the first time, you think, well, I'm a very, very long way from that. Paul the apostle. Look at poor little me. But, you know, there are certain common things that we can share with Paul. And the first thing, if you can read it in, in verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. If you get a therefore, obviously, it depends on something that's gone before. Therefore, this is the result of what's gone before. What's he talking about? Therefore, seeing we have this ministry. And if you look back to chapter 3, you can see very clearly what he's talking about. He's talking, and you read it in verse 8, he's talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? And the whole of that chapter is about the Spirit. And so he's saying, basically... I'm preaching the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we can say today, if we're true Christians, which means to say, as a a definitive um, point, that the Holy Spirit resides within us, it says that in Romans 8, if we have not the Holy Spirit, we do not belong to Jesus. So to be a, a Christian... I mean, there are other ways of saying it, but basically, the definitive way is that the Holy Spirit resides within the believer. No Holy Spirit, no spiritual life. No Holy Spirit, relying on your own natural abilities. They don't get you very far. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, so... Looking at ourselves, let's just say this. Every one of us here, we have a ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
Is that right? We're all called, we're all given a purpose. Sometimes we need to find out what it is. But we have ministries. As many people as there are here, there are ministries. They're not all preaching ministries. They're not all apostolic ministries. can be the smallest thing. You can be can be the ministry of the interior, but they're important to God. You know, God is, God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter who we are today, it doesn't mean to say that he's got a favourite with Paul. That's what it means, he's no respecter of persons. God is impartial. And the incredible thing is, that just as God loves Paul, so God loves you and me. <coughs> it's an incredible love. We did nothing to deserve it. it. comes out of the grace and the goodness and the love of God. It's not, it's not because of anything that I do. Because I get up maybe and try to preach nothing to do with that God loves me for his whole purpose and when God loves me he loves me with the fullness of his love he's no respecter of persons and that's what it means when it says God is love he knows what I'm like he knows all my faults and all my failings and they're very, very many. But he still goes on loving me because God is love. He's put his hand of blessing on all of us and raised us up. What a wonderful thing. So we can share a ministry, a Holy Spirit ministry that we've got. We can share that with, with the, the same things that happened to Paul. We share the suffering of a Christian he says a lot about that. We suffer persecutions. Okay, we didn't suffer like Paul. You read the, the 10th chapter of 2 Corinthians. Five times was he beaten, 39 stripes of the, by rods, in perils, um, shipwrecked, here, there, and everywhere. And on top of all that, he's got the burden of the church. We didn't suffer that way, but we certainly suffer. We suffer mental persecution. Even in our families, we get people who mock and scorn us. Can't live a Christian life, can you, without suffering? But you know, there's, a, there's something here that I, I must say that I fall very, very short of when comparing myself with Paul. And he says here, we faint not. You look at the NIV, I think the NIV says, we do not lose heart. We faint not, we do not lose heart. And I want to get something from this chapter. And what I want to know, I want to know, how could he go on like this? He says it twice. You read it in verse 16. Verse 16, for which cause we faint not. Marvellous. 
all the things that came upon him. But he wasn't discouraged. He didn't let them burden him to the ground and put him down. So, is there anything we can look at this chapter and find something that will help us? And the first thing is this. He always remembers the fundamentals of his faith. He's got that before him all the time. Verse, uh, verse 4, uh, verse 6, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. What a wonderful thing. What a wonderful thing. It's only, it's only a Christian who can see in the face of Jesus the glory of God. People want to know about God. They say, oh, I worship God. Um, they certainly don't worship the same God that I worship. My God is a biblical God. My God is in the face of Jesus. And in the face of my Saviour, I see the fullness of love and tenderness and compassion. Jesus Christ, the only one. What a wonderful thing that God has given us. Given us his own beloved son that we might live the Christian life with faith and with hope and with charity. What an incredible privilege it is to be born again. We're so different from the world. He tells you that there's such a big gap. You're either a believer or you're an unbeliever. You've either got the light of God shining in your heart or you've been blinded. You're, you're influenced and under the power of Satan. That's how it is. God has set us free from that. And that was Paul's message. And that's why he can say, I faint not, I'm not discouraged, I do not lose heart. So what if this and that happens? God's still got his hand in me, on me and he's going to carry me through because he loves me and I belong to him. I'm a child of God, therefore an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. I've got everything going for me. Hallelujah. Huh. Who want to be anything else but a Christian? What? I don't want to carry on about this, but when I look at the world and see the way that they go and the way that they act, what foolishness. What foolishness. I must say I'm a bit encouraged lately very encouraged, in fact, because I see a slight turning point in the spiritual atmosphere. And that was the defeat of this single-sex marriage. You know what's happened? Christians have prayed and prayed. They've signed petitions. They've come together and said, we don't want this. You know, tolerance is a good thing but when that tolerance 
contradicts the explicit commandments of God, that tolerance is sin. That's foolishness. You can't shake your hand in the, in the face of God and ignore him. He's watching and he's moving. And so then Paul has this gospel in front of him that he preaches, a glorious gospel. Motivation, motivation. The other thing, the other fundamental that I really love is that he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What's he talking about? Well, there might be a slight difference of opinion. He's obviously talking about the gospel, but if you read the context, again, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. And if you read through Corinthians, you can find it in 1 Corinthians 6. You'll see there that um, Paul says to the Corinthians, some of them were getting into the wrong way of life, doing things immoral. And Paul says, what? He's astonished. What? Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? How can you do things like that? Every one of us here, we've got the Holy Spirit within us. And that's where the power is. It's an unsurpassed power of God. It's a dynamic power. It's the power that raised Jesus from the dead and it abides within me. What must I do? I must put the switch down and, and act upon that. You know, let me give you an illustration of that power. Many years ago, this, I'm going back a long way, it's probably in the 60s or 70s, there was a dreadful air crash and it happened in the Canary Islands which are just off the coast of Spain and it's a very very foggy misty place and um, on that particular day there was a Dutch airline and it was taken off I'm still on the runway and something went wrong with the directions from the control tower and the Pan Am started to take off. Saw there's a Dutch plane there and smacked right on top of it. Over 580 people were killed in that accident. I can remember looking at, it was in the Time magazine and all you saw on the front of it was this twisted mass of wreckage burnt out. And you thought, was it possible for anyone to live in that? Well, it was. And he was a Christian man. And he lived his life going around telling the story of what happened. And he said when that, he was in the Pan Am, and as it landed on the Dutch aircraft, he said it was absolute chaos in the cabin. People were cursing and screaming. The fuel had ignited and he said there were balls of fire. The lady next to me perished. She was burned up. And he said, the Holy Spirit suddenly brought to my mind 
scriptures from Psalm. And I began to recite these scriptures. He said, the next thing I knew, I looked up and saw a hole in the roof. He said, and somehow, I don't know how, I climbed on the debris, got up to the top. He said, my hands were cut to ribbons by the twisted metal at the top. He got out on the wing of the plane. There were two other people there. He said, they both jumped off the wing and jumped to their death. He said, I jumped off and landed on a grass verge and came away with a broken ankle. The power of God. God lifted him. God preserved him. Let me give you an, uh, an example from my own life. This was some years back. And I'd been preaching in India. And... Uh, it's a very, very interesting time because the man who invited me was the secretary of 400 churches scattered right through the southern India. And um, <clears throat> the routine was this. We had this little church and we'd go into the church. There were no, there were no pews. <laughs> we just sat on this raffia floor every morning. We'd pray every morning Every evening, we'd go out around the countryside preaching to different congregations. Sometimes there'd be a dozen people. Sometimes there'd be hundreds of people. And this went on and on and on. And at the end of the time, we were right down in the southern tip, Koshin. And we had to get back what used to be called Madras. I think it's now called Chennai. And he, Pastor Philip said to me, we can either go by bus, by coach, or we can fly. And uh, I thought about this, and I thought, oh boy, I want to get back urgently. And then I thought, well, they're very, very poor people. They're only earning two rupees working in the plantation. You go into their little huts and the only belongings they had were a few clothes hanging on a peg and a broken down old bed there. And so I said, oh, well, we'll, we'll go on the coach. I wanted them to save, save the money for the fear. Anyway, we got on the coach and I think we'd been going for about an hour and I suddenly felt this pain in my back and uh, gritted my teeth went on further the pain was getting more and more intense so much so that in this packed coach I said to Pastor Philip could you rub my back and there he was I felt so embarrassed he was rubbing my back and when we, uh, we had stops for refreshment I was like this. I was really doubled over. I could hardly walk. And uh, listen, the battle was on. And the devil was saying to me, there's no way you're going to get to Perth. 
And I did what the Bible said. I resisted him and I brought out the scriptures and I said, come what might, I'm going to get to Perth by the power of the name of Jesus and all the rest of it. And this went on and on. It wasn't easy, I tell you. Eventually, I got there. I got to Perth. But when I got off the plane, I was absolutely as white as a sheep. And I'd lost, I don't know how many kilos I'd lost. One reason I lost so many kilos, I didn't, don't like Indian food. <laughs> and they lived right in the country. They were very old-fashioned people. And they had all this Indian food that I didn't like. And the other thing was, Every night, I used to sweat gallons and gallons. It was so hot. It was that kind of evangelistic preaching. And uh, anyway, I got back to Perth, and quite interesting because uh, the Lord showed us. I went straight to bed. I'm dehydrated. So we got on a, a quick diet, and I was as soon as right as rain. But the point is, Listen, there's a power within you. There's a power within me. You know, you look at me now, what do you see? Some poor old senior gentleman, if I may term myself that way, a bit of a paunch. But I tell you what, you don't know what's going on inside. There's a well of water there. And you know, it keeps bubbling over to eternal life. It's flowing. It's the Holy Spirit life. We've all got it. Wonderful, wonderful. There are dreams and plans and ambitions. There are relationships. There are thoughts of God. And it's all on the inside. Oh, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a treasure. It's a treasure. It's precious and it's rare. You've got that within you. Why on earth would you come every week to this cavern of ice? with just a few people around you. Only about 20 odd people of us here. And yet here you are. Here you are. Why do you come? It's a power within you. You want fellowship. You want to praise the Lord. The Word of God. That's wonderful, wonderful. God will bless you for that. You know, the other thing that Paul says is this. Right, looking at the gospel, looking at the power. The other thing he says, don't keep looking of the facts as they are. We've got to look for heavenly things. We've got to look beyond the, the, the facts that we see. I don't know, you may be going through 
torment today. You may be having trouble in your relationships, you may be sick. All kinds of things happen to us, be we Christians or not. But there's something else going on. There's a God who has you in his great big hand, will never let you go. He's got God who wants the best for you. There's a God who wants you successful and happy. Is that right or is it not? Read what Paul said. He always balances it out. Yes, there are troubles and worries and problems. But he says in Timothy, you know the things that happened to me at Iconium, but the Lord delivered him out of them all. That's what he said. And he constantly says that. There's deliverance with God. So what I'm saying today is what a fortunate people we are. Like you said, we should be thankful and praising God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, who knows? You may have a, a great dream, a great dream. Keep in there and persist. It might be just around the corner. God, God is a God of blessing. Desire to pour out upon us blessing upon blessing. He's already blessed us in a tremendous way. Let me just finish by telling you about Sir Winston Churchill. You know, Sir Winston Churchill, a great UK Prime Minister, statesman, soldier, great man. And he was, uh, his old school was what's known as a, a public school. They call them public schools, so it really is a fee-paying school. And uh, I think most of the, in the UK, most of the members of the of the cabinet probably went to one or two public schools. They either went to Harrow or Eton. Now, Sir Winston Churchill went to Harrow, was asked to go there and give an address. And of course they were all expecting, because he was so eloquent, such a great speaker, they were really expecting fireworks. And Sir Winston got up and he said, never give up, never give up, never give up, and he sat down. What a message, never give up. Persist, persist. Have patience. You know, the Bible says, don't be slothful, but be imitators of those, Paul, who by faith and patience inherit the promises. So, may your dreams come true. 
May God's face shine upon you more brightly than ever before. May you be a blessing to many, many people. Amen. Thanks, Alan. I feel very encouraged to persistently pray with patience as well.